Every expression of faith is an opportunity for God to demonstrate that He's God. Not so that you might be successful in your plans. Don't get it wrong. God does not exist to make me successful about what I intend to do for Him. Everything I do is not about Crawford, it's about God. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Lawrence. What is enduring faith, and how does that relate to having rock-solid confidence in who you are as a child of God? That's what we're taking a look at here at the beginning of Crawford's series, Rock Solid Confidence. Stay with us for this informative study. Well, we hope your new year is off to the right start, and what a great time to evaluate our faith in God and renew a commitment to trust Him more in the months ahead. If you're new to our broadcast, here's some background. Crawford has been teaching and sharing the Word of God for over 50 years, serving as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and Lessons from a Life Coach. The messages we feature each week come from Crawford's 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. Today, Crawford heads the Christian Leadership Mentoring Program called Beyond Our Generation. Well, let's continue our study of Romans chapter 4 with the second part of the message, Enduring Faith. Crawford will review a bit from last week's message, beginning with his illustration of Abraham's faith. Again, Romans chapter 4. Here's Crawford Loretz on living a legacy. Uh, verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope. That's a great, that's a great word combination. There is nothing hopeful and affirmative or confirming in his environment, his surroundings, and circumstances that should say that he had a rational reason to believe what he was believing. He believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. And then, then verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Abraham's 100, Sarah is 90. And by the way, the word considered there does not mean that he just glanced at his circumstances and pretended that this didn't exist. The word consider means to consider attentively. He stared at his reality. I'm 100 years old. Sarah's 90. Abraham did not run from the reality of, of his condition, that's what I'm saying, or from his situation that contradicted what God had promised. This is where biblical faith is different from some of the garden variety denial that's out there. Biblical faith does not deny the fact, A, I've lost my job. B, uh, we're in debt. C, I've got a health problem. D, my kids are in a very bad place. Biblical faith does not sweep that under the carpet. It does not deny its existence. It looks at it. It considers it. It examines it. It stares it in the eye, but it still believes. And in fact, I have to tell you that ridicule, more often than not throughout the Bible and throughout history, is associated with those who would believe God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you name the name of Jesus, I guarantee you, God will have seasons of gap and deprivation in your life. You will be called on to believe stuff 
that, that not only is not a reflection of anything in your past, but denies your reality. That is the pattern. In fact, there's absurdity associated with faith in the Bible. Biblical faith is not a reflection of everybody's best practices always. Anybody, Noah. It ain't never rained before. What are you talking about rain? We don't flood, what, flood, what, what's flood? Art, bolt, what, 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 what are you doing, man? You don't do what? You don't put all these animals, what, what are you doing? Abraham himself. Sarah laughed at him. Now don't get so righteous. You 97 years old and your husband come home talking about you're going to have a baby. You laugh too. Yo, Abraham, you got some bad goat's milk last night, buddy. I mean, this is, this is, you know what I'm saying? There's absurdity about it. Think about Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh with nothing more than a stick and a promise. I mean, don't get too bent out of shape over Pharaoh. Like, what, what are you insulting? You, you want me? Now, now hold, hold on. Time out, time out. You come in here, you ain't got no army. You just got this old dude, Aaron, about as old as you, and you got a stick telling me some God told you to let two and a half million people go. I don't think so, buddy. I think, think about David. I think you're getting a picture here. My research indicates David couldn't have been any older than 13 years old when he slayed Goliath. Now, follow me, if you will. Homeboy had no military training. The only thing he got was out there just wasting time while he's watching the sheep and cleaning up their poop and hitting trees with slingshots. You know, and he comes, he he's comes there by accident, you know, schlepping the food to his brothers because he can't do anything else. And he hears this nine-foot giant taunting the armies of God. And then he remembers what mom and daddy taught him about the Bible from the Torah. This ain't supposed to happen. So here you have this scrawny kid with a slingshot. Hey, you guys, this is not just Bible stories. Absurdity is linked to faith. And the reason why we don't believe God for more is because we don't want to look foolish. Uh-huh. Yet if I understand my Bible, whether it's Rahab the harlot or whatever it might be, looking foolish sometimes is part of the calling. So, enduring faith doesn't reflect the norm around you. Enduring faith defies the circumstances that we happen to be in. Number three, enduring faith is anchored in God's omnipotence. I started to use an easier word, but if I use the easier word, it w- wouldn't capture it. I started to say enduring faith is anchored in God's power, but that's, that's not good enough. It's not just anchored in God's power. I want to say something more about his power. And so the word omnipotence means all-powerful. He doesn't just have power. He is the source of power. And enduring faith, there, there is this, there's a stream. It's based on what he said. So when you believe God, God's on the line. He's on the line, okay? Don't, ever get, don't get it twisted. It's not, your, it's not you that's on the line. God's on the line. Now, you might be on the line if, if you don't know that's what God told you to do. Now, you are on the line. But when you're doing God says he's on the line. He's on the line. When you press into the gap, you remember that he's on the line. But then, then, then thirdly, 
Every, every expression of faith is an opportunity for God to demonstrate that he's God. Not so that you might be successful in your plans. Don't get it wrong. God does not exist to make me successful about what I intend to do for him. Everything that God tells me to do when I step out on faith, I'm trying to communicate here, I can't find a word. When I, when I step out on faith, everything I do is not about Crawford, it's not about the church. It's about God. God's on the line. And some of us have gotten defeated because we've made it too much about us. It's not your competency that he's trying to sell. But it's his power. Don't you understand? It's his power. That, that's the reason why. Uh, go back to verse 17 again. Ah. The, the, the last clause here, it says, this is amazing. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now that's awesome. Do you know what Paul is attributing to Abraham as, 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 as to what he believed? He says... The God that we're dealing with is the power of the resurrection. He says, <laughs> who gives life to the dead. Yeah, your body is as good as dead. So is Sarah's. And by the way, that's the reason why I waited so long to do this. Because this is a statement I want to make about myself. And listen, if I don't get through with this message, I want to press into this right here. Let me tell you something. Some of you have played into Satan's hand. I know who you are. I meet, I meet you. I talk to you. Your shoulders are slumped. Your head is down. You've played into the devil's hand. You've had some major disappointments in your life. You had some things that you wanted God to do. And God did not say he didn't want to do them. But because they didn't happen on your time frame, they didn't happen when you wanted them to happen, they're dead to you, and now you, you, you're stuck in this funk and you're, you're pouting. You're upset. Now, who, who told you to stop believing God? Who told you it wasn't going to happen? You see, what you need to do is go back home and identify the dead things in your life and believe that God can pull off a resurrection. I see this all the time. I've seen it in my life. We had to put things on hold, but I had to remind myself they're on hold. God didn't say stop. He didn't say he wasn't going to do it. He said we're going to do it now. So that, does that mean that we kind of narrow our vision? Does that mean? No! No! He's a God of resurrection. And then he says, secondly, He's a God of creation. You say, we have no precedent. We've never done this before. Well, that's what biblical faith is all about. He creates the God who called the world into existence. There was no best practices. He is the best practice. There was no other universe. He created the universe. <laughs> who says that he can't do something new in and through your life? Who told you that? So we may got to start reading some of our books. 
and get your nose buried in the book. And stop typecasting your Christianity by sounding so very sanitized and acceptable when it's nothing more than just a, the veneer that's covering cynicism and doubt. Will he do it? Not always. But if he doesn't do it, he's still God. The fourth characteristic of this enduring faith is that it is strengthened because... Now, notice my choice of words here. It's strengthened because of weakness and opposition. Did you you hear that? The the source of developing your faith is the fact that you're weak and I'm weak and that there is opposition. I've used this illustration before. It is faith is like a muscle and it's like working out. Uh, The heavier the weight, the more muscle you have. And notice, notice how this is positioned right here in the passage. <laughs> Verse 19 says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was 100 years old, or, or, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Now, verse 20, look at this. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. There is a little English grammar term here. There is an ellipsis here. uh, And it says, and he grew. The the growing implies waiting. He gave glory to God while it was dark. And it's not a stretch. As he pressed into waiting and looking and waiting and looking and waiting and looking and not giving up, not giving up, not giving up, not giving up, he began to lift more weight, more weight, more weight, more weight, more weight. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? Where you are right now as you wait on God, the, the stress that you're going through, the pressure that you're going through. Listen to me. Listen, listen. I would not have said this 20 years ago, but I've got some mileage on me now. As you wait, you're getting stronger. Don't you see it? As you're being deprived, God has given you more. Amen. You can't despise that. Growing. The tears, the pain, the lack, the loss, you're being strengthened. See, that's the reason why the Bible knows nothing of this Pollyanna nonsense faith that we preach today. Faith is a means by through which we become more like him. Listen to me. There are two prayers that I don't pray, but some of y'all pray these prayers, and I usually get out of your prayer group when I hear you pray it. It scares the liver out of me. I don't ask God to give me patience. (laughs) That's a noble thing to pray. I don't pray that, because God's too thorough. (laughs) You know, I'm just telling you where I am. Maybe I should pray for that, but I don't go there, man, because I'm impatient, and I know what God's going to do. When I pray for patience, when you pray for patience, you know what he's going to make you do? Wait. <laughs> See, you need to get this. <laughs> so whenever I'm in a prayer group and they're praying for patience, I say, maybe I go pray with these people over here. I don't, <laughs> so I don't like waiting. And, then, and the other thing I don't pray for, uh, I typically don't pray for more faith. 
You know why I don't pray for more faith? You, you, know, you, know, you know how God gives you more faith? You know how he gives you more faith? You need to read your Bible. You know how he gives you more faith? Yeah, yeah. He gives you more challenge. He gives you more opposition. And he gives you greater lack. He takes the resources away. And he gives you a great challenge. And then the contrast you see, I don't have what it takes. And it's in the pressing into what he said he's going to do. And you wait on him that he gives you more, more than what you need. I, I, uh, I love the line from D.L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody, some of you don't know this, he was a famous evangelist back in the 1800s, uh, formerly had zero education. I think he may have been fifth or sixth grade. I could be wrong with that, but no, no great education. And yet he became the father of modern-day uh, mass evangelism. Interestingly enough, started a school, a college. It's one of the most respected Christian colleges in the world. A publishing house, one of the top Christian publishing houses in the world. <laughs> Unbelievable impact of his life. And you look at where he came from, you go, huh? I don't get this. This ain't supposed to happen. I mean, he didn't go to the right school. He didn't go to any school. You know, well, why did this happen? But when, <laughs> as he got older, he wrote his sons. In a letter to his sons, he said this to them. If God be God, make your plans large. He wasn't talking about using God. He wasn't talking about assuming. He said, you, if if you know who God is, you won't play it safe. You won't play it safe. You'll see that he is able, which is the final one. Enduring faith is convinced of God's faithfulness and ability. I trample all over this one, but I want you to look at the last verse, uh, verse 21. He says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. The expression fully convinced in the, in the, in the Greek text, it, it means to settle fully. Settle fully. Our struggle with faith is not a struggle with faith so much as it is a struggle with our concept of God. I'm serious about that. It is not so much a struggle with faith. It is a struggle with our concept of God. We've let our dysfunctional fathers or men that have hurt us and all this other kind, God ain't nothing like your father. And I don't mean that, and I've said that here before. We've let all this nonsense. Our our God, if, if we know who God is, if we spend time in this book understanding who he is and appreciating his power and his authority, I tell you, we will become fully convinced that he has inherent ability. That's what the word able means. There's nothing he can't do. And secondly, the expression do what he promised uh, infers that God's, God has unfailing and unflawed faithfulness. May not be what I want, but I established earlier faith is not an expression of what I want, it's what he wants. 
We, we, we lose confidence in, in others because they don't come through, right? They let us down. I lose confidence in myself when I say, when I, I don't follow through. Crawford, you idiot. You, you, why did you, you didn't? But, yeah. but God always, always, always comes through. Great is thy faithfulness. I want to close by reading something from Max Lucado. This man is so gifted in how to say things. From his book, Grace for the Moment. Why does God wait until the money is gone? Why does he wait until the sickness has lingered? Why does he choose to wait until the other side of the grave to answer the prayers for healing? I don't know. I only know his timing is always right. I can only say he will do what is best. Though you hear nothing, he is speaking. Though you see nothing, he is acting. With God, there are no accidents. Every incident is intended to bring us closer to him. That's why Job said, though you sleep, yet I'm not going to get cynical. I will trust you. You may not do things the way I want them done, but great is thy faithfulness. And I want you to leave here today, you listening, I want you to leave here today with your head high. God has not left you alone. He has not forsaken you. He has not abandoned you. He loves you infinitely, and he has given you everything you need to deal with whatever is in front of you right now. Even if you screwed up and made a mistake, if you repent of that, get yourself lined up with his heart, all of his resources are available to you. Let's ask God to help us to run from cynicism and doubt, and to believe him. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, it's unspeakable that you would speak to us who are frail, sinful, dysfunctional folks. All of us are. And yet you keep pursuing us, you love us, you give us vision, you give us calling, you give us ideas, you call us to do things. Oh, you're a great God. Lord, may we revel in your love. Fill us, Lord, with fresh faith in a gentle way. And help us to believe you, O oh God. Encourage our hearts, we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, wrapping up his two-part message titled Enduring Faith. It's one of many messages to come in his series, Rock Solid Confidence. If you joined us midway in today's message, you can hear all of it on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Just click on the link, Past Programs. You can also listen on your favorite podcast site. Thanks for your emails. They do help us know that the program is making a difference. If you've never taken a moment to let us know you're there, write to legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. Well, next week, Crawford's message, Don't Panic, and hope you'll be back. I'm Bill Davis. 
This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.